0: Create your own one-of-a-kind engagement ring with Brilliant Earth, the global leader in ethically sourced fine jewelry. Brilliant Earth's exclusive unique designs are brought to life by master jewelers, and they offer free shipping and returns on all orders. For a limited time, you can earn toward a future purchase when you buy now. Order today for delivery by Valentine's Day and receive complimentary diamond earrings with any engagement ring purchase. To see terms for this special offer and receive Brilliant Earth credit with your purchase, go to BrilliantEarth.com ringer NBA. And now, heat check.
1: Uh, he's got smoke coming off his fingertips. He's as hot as a boat It's a heat check. You knew that was coming. It's heat check time.
0: Welcome to Heat Check. I'm your host, John Gonzalez, joined as I am every week by my producer, Steve Allman. Hello. Uh, Steve, the Super Bowl, we're going to, real quick, I'm happy for Andy Reid, and you're happy that something positive happened in 2020.
2: Finally. Absolutely finally. <laughs> it,
0: it was a fun game. I thought, I was worried for Andy because uh, Andy has a history, as everybody knows, of things not working out. Yes.
2: Uh, and it finally worked out for him. Uh, it, it was, I was genuinely, like, it was the most wholesome Super Bowl I've probably seen in a very long time and uh it's it's genuinely gotten me through a lot that's happened this past January. Yeah,
0: I spent uh, a long time in Philadelphia watching Andy sort of stumble about and was happy to see him go because I thought it was time after I believe it was 14 years. And then you know, absence in the heart uh, it grows fonder and he's gone and I'm glad he succeeded and I'm glad he has a Super Bowl and he was this is this is really funny so y- you might have heard uh, a little noise there. As old Isaac would know, my (laughs) wife has this uncanny knack of calling right when I'm doing the show. <laughs> it's really amazing. Like every Monday that we do the show at the same time and almost every Monday she just calls to say hello. So That's adorable. Uh, NFL Network's Colleen Wolf, who's coming back from the Super Bowl. Uh, we'll have to call her back. All right, so thanks for listening everybody. A reminder to please rate and review us and don't forget about all the great NBA content on ringer.com. and also as I just mentioned uh, our Ringer NFL Super Bowl team killed it. Danny Kelly and Danny Heifetz and Robert Mays and Kevin Clark. They just did exceptional work from Miami. Also Brian Curtis was down there. Read all of their stuff uh, from the Chiefs Super Bowl. Palo has been all over the Kobe Bryant situation. He wrote about the scene from Friday's home game, and he also has a column up about trade deadline questions. Uh, Dan wrote about Kobe and LeBron. I wrote about Kobe and grief and grappling with his entire life and not just the convenient parts. So all of that is up on the Uh Coming up later in the show, as I mentioned, the trade deadline, we'll discuss the rapidly approaching trade deadline, which will be on Thursday. And we'll look at which teams uh, should maybe make some moves or stay pat and which players we want to see uh, find new homes. But first, lots of news from the weekend, so let's bring in Dan and Haley to review the headlines. Boom
3: shakalaka! He's heating up! He's on fire!
0: All right, one of them is in studio, one is way across the country in our NYCHQ. It's Heat Check Coast to Coast with Haley and Dan. What's up, guys? Hey,
1: Gons. How are you?
0: Wonderful. Uh, we made it here. We're, we're doing a post-Super Bowl show. Everybody else called out, not us. We are excited to get into the trade deadline, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! let's do it all of that coming up but first a lot of news from the weekend let's review the headlines from around the league with nba instant replay all right so we did an entire show or or not an entire show but a lot of our show last week was about kobe bryant thanks everybody for the positive feedback on that one kobe continues to be a a big story the lakers played their first game since the layoff on friday Uh, they had had that Tuesday game canceled following uh, last Sunday's tragic helicopter crash that claimed the lives of nine people, including Kobe Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter, Gianna. Uh, The Lakers did a really good job with their tributes. Uh, In that game, LeBron and AD combined for 59 points. They lost to the Blazers. Nobody cared. The tributes were fantastic. They had Usher perform Amazing Grace. Boys to Men sang a very teary national anthem. They do that very well. Uh, LeBron and Quinn Cook, among many, were, you know, Crying. And then LeBron addressed the crowd and he had these prepared remarks. And then he tossed them away and he said, I, I got something written down. They asked me to kind of stay on course uh, or whatever the case may be. But Laker Nation, man, I would be selling y'all short if I read off this shit. So I'm going to go straight from the heart. Haley, I thought it was really touching.
1: It was. And he spoke for what, four minutes? It's so wild, everything that LeBron takes on. Yeah. I mean, this is a, an extremely emotional, I've never seen anything like this before. But in just, he's, his entire career, things have come up that he's always been like, I'm going to go ahead and take this burden for people. And this is an extremely different one. This is not, you know, basketball related. It's not on the court related, although he's done things off the court like this too. But I thought that was incredibly strong and I wish he didn't have to be that strong for everyone, but I'm glad that it was him.
0: Yeah, it was really touching, uh, as was the entire scene. I mean, it, it was a powerful night. They had uh, the numbers 8 and 24 all over the arena. The players wore them, and then they left two seats open courtside for Gianna and Kobe and placed her number two jersey on uh, her chair and Kobe's 24 on his. Uh, Dan, what what did you think of of that night? And For me, I was sort of taken aback by, like, all of this stuff pregame was so powerful, and then they had to play a basketball game.
4: Yeah. The idea that you would go from, I mean, you could see just people's eyes looked like they'd been crying for days, you know, and the idea that now you have to go out and muster your, you know, the focus and the attention to detail to be able to play NBA basketball at a successful level. It it was really hard to sort of imagine anybody doing it. Uh, You could sort of see, I felt like in the early going, LeBron was just just didn't seem like he was all the way there. And how could you be going right from what he went to, to playing? um, And, you know, things picked up as it went along. It seemed like the person who was most, most dialed in most able to sort of deal with the emotion of the moment was Damian Lillard, who has been on this hellacious run, which we'll talk about, but, um the idea that anybody got th- that was like a game you just have to get through yeah. be rather than a game where you're trying to uh you know you're, you're reaching for the, the top of your potential and, and that the lakers were able to get through it and sort of start their new normal uh you know that that's what sort of you take away most it from felt
0: it. like uh you know the fans had to get through it too right i mean you mentioned this dan on twitter that la live the crowd was super somber and it was sort of the opposite of say a jurassic park that we saw in the playoffs and with toronto last year uh, it was just like a, just a bunch of people who had gathered together to publicly mourn. Uh, and then, you know, LeBron and A.D., they both got Mamba inspired tattoos on their thighs, which I thought was a nice touch. Uh, and, you know, but playing in that atmosphere would, would be awfully difficult. I mean, Mello said he couldn't do it. He didn't play. Uh Damian Lillard, though, as you mentioned, because we do want to talk about some of the basketball. He did play. He's cooking right now. Uh, You know, no easy transition for this, but we should talk about some basketball here. I I thought that the tribute um, was really well done and really tasteful and I think like helped a lot of people uh, grieve because the grieving process has been difficult. And I wrote about that and you wrote about it and there's plenty of stuff for people to read. But but to the Damian Lillard point, we do want to talk about the basketball component. He looked so good in that game. He has looked so good, period, uh, for this last week and a half, two weeks now. Against the Lakers in the win, he had 48 points, nine rebounds, and 10 assists. He's the first player in NBA history to have 35 or more points, five or more rebounds, assists, and threes made in five straight games. It's been kind of a rough season for the Blazers. They have won four in a row. They're coming up on the Grizzlies. They're just a game and a half out of that last, while, uh, that last playoff spot in the Western Conference. But I feel like because of the way, Haley, that this season has gone for the Blazers, we've kind of overlooked Dame. He's still killing it.
1: This is where we appreciate Dame is it's over halfway through the season. They're fighting for the eighth seed. He's the one who's going to step up and do this. He is the classic like movie savior hero sports guy. He had an incredible finish to the season last season. He is always the guy who takes the big shot. I mean, that was his iconic playoff performance. Probably the best he'll ever have in his life um, is that moment. And that'll define him. So this is very much him. He's He's like, "Okay, I'm going to put everything on my back." He's now.
0: looked fantastic uh in his last 5 games he scored 48, 36, 50, 47 and 61. I love to watch him, Dan. That's it. That's a, some total of my analysis.
4: That is a an extremely hot take. Yeah, on you. Um, we are on heat check. That's true. Uh I mean, the thing with Leah with Lillard it's it's that he's always sort of got the pulse of what the team needs him to give. And that's not like a hard thing to imagine this year because he, they need everything. They need absolutely everything that he can provide um, to the point where I think he, sc- he scored uh, 50 earlier in the season and they lost, you know, like they've, they've, in the games where he's even given the most, they've, they're barely squeaking by because they're just so hard up for production. Um, but this is why you, you know, so you keep your your eye on where the Blazers are around New Year's Day and heading into February, like, they can put together a couple of weeks of basketball that'll get them sort of righted because it seems like everybody pulls in the right direction. And now you keep an eye on uh, Yusuf Nurkic just got back to practice. And so maybe he's able to come back a little earlier than people expected or maybe able to hit the ground running to a degree maybe that we didn't figure. And if all all of a sudden, the Blazers then become a team that uh, you know, it's not just woe is them and how disappointing have they been? It becomes, are they one of those teams that you just do not want to see in round one? Because Lillard can do this to you for two weeks straight.
0: Uh, he's streaking, they're playing better. Other streaks I want to run past you guys. The Raptors have won 11 in a row. I can't, I don't know how many more times I can say I didn't expect them to be this good this season, but I didn't expect them to be this good this season. Uh, they've tied a team record. Are they the biggest threat to the Bucks in the Eastern Conference, Haley?
1: There's an argument for that. The the thing about the the East is that it, I feel like those scenes are so even.
0: Interchangeable After Interchangeable box, and, yeah. and week
1: to week I just changed my mind for the last like two weeks ago, last fortnight.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> Hello. Uh, excellent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> been reading.
0: <laughs> Whoa. Way, to, way to use words for a living.
1: Right. I thought it was Boston. That's I was like so sold on Boston. You know, it's it's just different stretches. The heat at multiple times a season, mm-hmm. I've been like, wow, this is really exciting because they could be for real. Yeah, sure. I'd buy the Raptors. They
0: look good. There was some talk earlier in the season, Dan, about like what the Raptors would do, whether or not they'd hold on to Ibaka and Gasol. Now it looks like that roster, if anything, if they do anything, it would be maybe ad pieces because they're pretty well set up.
4: Yeah, that was actually uh, Adrian Wojnarowski and Bobby Marks on the, their sort of trade deadline primer podcast were talking about the... You know, that Toronto's probably not going to look to sell expirings uh, for core players, guys like Ibaka or Gasol, because like there's no real value in a, f- a low first round draft pick for them because they could find guys anywhere. They could find play. They've shown they could find players undrafted Fred Van Vliet and Terrence Davis. They found guys at the bottom of the, f- of the first round. They found guys overseas. You know, they they, they sort of b- they bring guys in via trade. Um, so there there's a lot of ways for them to build a roster. So why take apart a team that's so- succeeding so well? Um and, and and the interesting thing is Woj suggested that their week is probably going to be more about looking to make a run. Like, what can you add? And so then the question is, what are the kind of players who might make sense with what that roster already is. Uh, I am currently, as we speak, being crushed oh, it's on so social good. media. It's so good. For um, because the I when I think about playoff players and guys who might, you know, whom Masayujiri might look at and say, okay, well, that's the kind of guy you'd want to bring in for April, May, June. Um, I was like, oh, well, Andrea Goodal is one of those kind of guys, right? So how would the Raptors organize a deal if they wanted to? And the closest financial, uh, in terms of contract, the closest guy they can put in there is Norman Powell. So I was like, all right, well, we know the, that the Grizzlies want to want to pick. You've got to make the money work out. All right, like Norman Powell, Stanley Johnson, and a pick, and that gets you Andre Iguodala. And I was like, hmm, that's something to look at. And Raptors fans instantly Turns freaked out, out about it. Wait, wait, you're telling me that Raptors fans reacted to something? That's so unlike it, them. In, in, in fairness, I, I mean, I certainly get it. Norman Powell has been awesome this season. Um, he uh, provides a shooting compliment and a playmaking compliment that it's a little bit different from what Iguodala does at 35. Who knows what Iguodala is after all this time off? You're also giving away a pick in the situation. I get the the trepidation about it. Um, I was just sort of trying to figure out who a playoff player might be that would make sense as you go for it. But um, the Raptors, the reality is they might not have to do a whole heck of yeah. a lot because now that they're finally getting healthy and, and Powell's hurt again, but, you know the idea of getting that roster healthy, um, they could be as good as, as anybody in the Eastern Conference.
0: Yes, yeah, and they are. They, they continually uh, remind us that they're very good uh, as is, and who knows what they'll do there. Uh, so they're streaking in one direction. The Jazz, on the other hand, Haley, are streaking in the other direction. They've lost four in a row. They put Mike Conley back in the starting lineup. They haven't looked very good. They have had a difficult schedule lately, but uh, concerns about the Jazz?
1: No. That's is it. this a take? No, all right. no. Okay, I, don't, no I don't. No, I don't. Because Mike Conley looked good in his return against Portland. He had like twenty-two points, a nine of twenty shooting. He's fine. The other thing about the Jazz is that they've had an ever-changing rotation. Yeah, because they've had to, and it's fine. Things will settle down. I, I'm sticking with this from week one to week four. That's your team. This is no. Uh, let's not go there. You like that but, team. I think they'll be fine. They'll
3: be fine. All right. Uh, they'll
1: be
0: fine. Nothing to worry about in Utah. I wanted to run this past <laughs> you. This was fun. Uh, we The top two picks finally got to play against each other John Morant and Zion Williamson. Uh, the Pelicans smashed the Grizz by 28. It was a season high for New Orleans and points. Uh, Zion had a game-high 24 points, six rebounds, three assists. Ja looked okay. Not as, not quite as dynamic, but pretty good. 16 points and three assists. They swapped jerseys after the game. Turns out that they, I didn't know this. I was reading about it. They had been previously on the same AAU team, and uh, Zion had said that at the time they were sort of role players on that team, and they never imagined the two of them going one and two. And then afterwards... Somebody had asked job ja about exchanging the jerseys and he said, you know, the media tries to make it me versus Zion. And like, don't get don't get me started on the media, those guys. Uh but
1: is that you or him? Trying
0: to get them to like, <laughs> you know, uh be butted up against each other is just despicable. So Dan, pick one. Who do you like better between John ja and Zion? Uh, I like them both better than the media. Yeah, because that's
4: and it includes myself mm-hmm. in that situation. Um, I, I like I, I like John Morant. I like the style of play. I love that more, you actually did personally. This. <laughs> but um, the thing that matters most to me is everybody needs to just chill out a little bit. Like we had Jackson Hayes, Zion Williamson's teammate. Like oh, we're gonna get there. Okay, so yeah. like that there's a lot of stuff that people are like really high pitched right now about voting and media and who's putting out. Everyone just needs to kind of take a deep breath and chill out. That's my number one thing that I would love for February. Uh, Let's just chill. Everybody out. relax.
0: I love that as well. Uh, the Rockets. The Rockets are interesting. We're gonna talk about the Rockets when we get to the trade section here, but as a little primer, they had a small ball win on Friday. They beat the Mavs. Elias Sports Bureau said that they're the first team to play the entire game without a player listed. Taller than six six. The last time it happened was the Knicks who did it in 1963, but the Knicks lost to that powerhouse Chicago Zephyrs team back then. Uh, so as it turns <laughs> out, even back in the 60s, the Knicks were still the Knicks. Uh, are the Rockets on to something here? Because we've seen a report from Woj. He, he dropped a bomb in, uh, in the middle of the Super Bowl because, of course, he did, saying that the, that the Rockets were possibly shopping Clint Capella. But, Haley, are the Rockets on to something here with, with going small moving forward?
1: First of all, if anyone has any Chicago Zephyrs gear—
0: I bet it's really cool.
1: (laughs) Please, please let me know. Uh, It was out of necessity that they played this small ball lineup that they've been doing this because Clint Capella has been in and out. Um, But it really opens up the floor for them. And that's exactly what they as a whole, but especially James Harden needs. His game is so simplistic not to downplay it. It's fantastic. But he's good from really, really far out and really, really close in. So this is exactly what they need. Also, you know, that's kind of the same with Russ, except for he's better from the mid-range. But being open there is...
0: Dan, we saw last year in the playoffs when Capella was sort of marginalized. Is this like sort of maybe a preemptive thought towards that?
4: Well, I also wonder in part if it's like just, Russell Westbrook is basically their offensive center right now. Like, he's not taking a ton of threes anymore. And, I know, Charks has written before about the idea that he's, like, functionally the best way to use him might be as, like, small Draymond Green now. So then, like, if you're already using a guy that way in your offense, you need to have other players that make sense in other positions. So maybe there's an argument for that. But if, if he's not giving you, like, they're not a great defensive rebounding team. They're not great at protecting the rim, even with Capella. And those are, like, the things he does best. So then if he's not giving you that, then go all in in the other direction. I I can kind of see it. It's it feels a little bit more to me though. Just like Houston seems like it just needs to do something, and Daryl Morey can't is like perpetually in search of the next thing. So uh, I don't, I don't know. I'm not. I, I'm a little bit skeptical about how a six six and under team works. In the playoffs, but um, if, if they're going to get there eventually, I guess maybe might might as well try to start Something with Something
0: for us to monitor. We'll discuss it further a little bit when we get into the main event and our trade deadline conversation. want to wrap up with some injuries here. Trey Young had a right ankle sprain versus the Mavs. He was seen in a walking boot. He didn't know the severity of it. He was uh, asked about it. He said we'll see. Uh, Steph Curry, his hand will be reevaluated in four weeks. There was some thought that maybe he might get back sooner rather than later. Turns out that's not going to happen. He's going to miss all of February so much for the early return and and finally, and this is interesting for the Brooklyn Nets as well, Kyrie Irving, medial ligament sprain in his right knee. He'll be reevaluated in a week. That could also change what they do going into the deadline. That was NBA Instant Replay. Before we go to the main event, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors.
3: Today's episode of the Ringer NBA Show is brought to you by Microsoft Teams. Hey, NBA Show fans, we all know meetings. Struggling to pay attention? Files seem impossible to find? We're secretly streaming the game on our laptop while nervously tapping our foot below the conference room table. And if you're not in a room, you're not in the know. Luckily, there's a solution for all the meeting-related issues that we constantly complain about. Welcome to the new slam dunk to work together. Microsoft Teams. Using Microsoft Teams is one play that's guaranteed to work every time, where you can contribute to meetings from anywhere, even on the court. Chat with coworkers so you're never out of the loop. Find all your files and even edit them in real time in one convenient place. The greatest NBA teams have mastered the art of communication and organization. When you're ready to unleash the power of your team, open Teams, because meetings of the past are for rookies, right? There is nothing worse than having to go to a meeting at a time that you don't have to be there anyway. So like you have to go to some kind of early meeting when you wouldn't normally be there that early. And then you've gone to a meeting that probably wasn't even about you. And then you got to sit around for a long time. I'd give anything to have Microsoft Teams because then I could just pull up my computer. And now I'm, I'm part of the meeting and I don't have to be down at the office for the meeting that wasn't about me anyway. Learn more about how to improve your work efficiency at Microsoft.com/Teams. That's Microsoft.com/Teams. All right, let's do the main event.
0: So the trade deadline is rapidly approaching. It's this Thursday. We're all watching the Super Bowl, and uh, Adrian Wojnarowski cares not for your football game, America. Drops a bomb on everybody as the trade deadline looms. This is from Woj. Uh, Houston is engaged with several Eastern Conference teams, including Atlanta on Clint Capella. League sources told Woj. Uh, Capella could be a way for the Rockets to get draft assets and then uh, and then flip for a wing player per sources. This is interesting. Atlanta's been in on a number of different bigs or attached to different rumors that apparently have also reportedly talked to OKC about Stephen Adams. And then, of, of course, we had talked previously on this show about them interested being interested previously in Detroit's Andre Drummond uh, from both sides here. Do you let's start with the Atlanta side, Haley O'Shaughnessy. Do you like Atlanta adding a big, possibly, Clint Capella?
1: Yeah, Clint Capella would be good. I mean, honestly, if the Steven Adams and Andre Drummond thing, too, I always think of them as a lot older, but they're both just 26. And I like Steven Adams a lot more than I like Andre Drummond, but both of their contracts um, expire next. They have one more season after this season. Uh, Drummond will be—he's got a player option,
0: option, but he's going to be a free agent this offseason, yeah. Everybody expects him to opt out and test the free agent mark.
1: I don't think he should opt out. I, do, I, this is like probably a take, but I do not know who is paying him more than he's going to make.
0: I love this. Uh, it's like an intervention and you're doing a one man show over here because Andre Drummond, Drummond let's talk. you know, who really loves Andre Drummond, Dan, Andre Drummond really loves Andre Drummond. <laughs> uh, and he is convinced he's going to get paid possibly by, I don't know. Let's just say if there was a team in New York with, uh, like a, a, a weird hierarchy front office structure that spends irresponsibly, maybe they might be interested.
4: Yeah, the Knicks have apparently nosed around that deal. Um, they're uh, according to Woj, they're not. They have not put a first round pick on the table. Blessed be for that. But uh, you know, the, the the week is young. We'll see where it goes before the trade deadline. Um, Andre, the the argument for Andre Drummond getting out there is that he is going to be like the only all star or one maybe the only all star level free agents out there, and somebody might pay him. But No one seems to know how much to pay him to Haley's point. Like how, what is his value? What is he really worth on a good team? And no one seems to know that also that all the teams that have money are not good teams. So is he going to make you better when that hasn't, we haven't seen that really happen in Detroit. Um, All that to say Atlanta, the idea of giving Trey young, a pick and roll center makes a lot of sense. And a a guy who can maybe bolster their defense. The question is though, is that going to be a meaningful improvement over John Collins? Because we haven't even gotten to see a ton of that this season due to the 25 game suspension. And so then are you sort of robbing Peter to pay Paul on that deal?
1: The other thing is we have to know that he's going to fit with John Collins, whoever the he is.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, also like what does Atlanta want to do with John Collins, right? I mean, like I, I was uh, listening to the Woj pod and he was saying, well, you know, potentially if they were going to unplug John Collins, maybe that gets them something. But I'd rather hold on to John hold Collins. Hold on to and,
1: John Collins. That doesn't make sense. Right.
0: Uh, and then with Andre Drummond, I mean, it feels like to your point, Dan, about that first round pick that the Knicks haven't put a first rounder out there. It feels like nobody has dangled a first rounder for Andre Drummond. If there had been a, a first rounder offered for Andre Drummond, it, it feels like he'd already be in a different location. And if you're a team that knows that Andre Drummond plans to test the free agency market. Why would you give up something for him now when you could just sign him in the off season? I don't know. I I wonder about what happens with Andre Drummond. I wonder what happens with ATL and back to the Capella part. I get why maybe they want to unplug him a little bit, but they just paid him all that money, Dan. And like in theory on paper, it's been different in the playoffs, but in theory on paper, he should be exactly what the doctor orders. Uh, in Houston because he's a rim running big who also protects the rim. I mean, like he should be the ideal fit there, but it hasn't really worked out that way.
4: Yeah. And I wonder if some of that is, as we mentioned, sort of the just the geometry being different. He was that perfect fit on a team where everything was five, always oh, a four out. And Chris Paul was the the sort of dangerous shooter and secondary playmaker there. Now that Russell Westbrook has been more of a north south threat and not he's not taking as many threes anymore, the floor just looks different. And Capella has not become like a defensive player of the year caliber interior deterrent. So his his value gets minimized a little bit on offense. His value gets, is not as stark on defense as you would like it to be. So then if you're looking for places to make an adjustment, like you're not trading James Harden, you're not trading uh, Russell Westbrook because I don't think you're going to find a value in that deal at this point. Um, you can't trade Eric Gordon after the the extension that he had this summer. You're kind sort of running out of p- pieces to move. And if you have to move off of one, either Clink Capello or PJ Tucker, stylistically, the the Rockets make more sense with Tucker. So, I don't know, I think they're sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place right now, and it's more just like, what can we get from him and then figure it out later?
0: Let's run through some other teams and players that we think might be uh, making some moves, or maybe we want them to make some moves. So let's go with with the Knicks. Let's go with the Knicks because they're always fun, because they're a disaster. Uh, I would like to see free Frankie Smokes, free Frank Nilakina. that would be wonderful. I I thought, you know what was fun, Dan, in addition to uh, the Andre Drummond rumors from earlier in the season, the persistent the Knicks don't look like they want to trade Marcus Morris rumors are just so delightful chef's kiss for me. Uh, just today before, as I'm driving in to do the show, uh, another Woj report that the Knicks are, quote, enthusiastic about signing him this summer. Incredible. Dan, just give me your thoughts on them maybe not moving Marcus Morris when his value could not be higher.
4: Yeah, that the thing that drives me crazy about this idea is, for eight years, Marcus Morris has been a pretty good forward who shoots like 36% from three. This year, he's averaging 19 a game. He's shooting 44% from three. He's getting all the shots he wants because he's the number one option on a shitty team. So now it's like rather than cash out on that, it's like, no, 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 no. Give that guy like three years, 51, four years, 70, something like so that. So great. It's going to drive my blood pressure through the roof, and it, I feel, I'm honestly concerned for you guys as my friends and for my family in terms of what might happen here. Yeah, your, fa- your face is looking a
0: little uh, peaked, a little red. It's okay. I-, I like this about you. We'll see what happens uh, on Thursday. Uh, Haley, the Grizz are in a weird spot. Because they're they're holding on, they're they're ahead of schedule. They're holding on to that last uh, playoff spot. As we record this, they're a game and a half up on the Portland Trail Blazers. They've got this young uh, youth movement, but they also have some pieces that they could move if they want to. We talked about Andre Iguodala; he's going to be in high demand. Also, Jay Crowder is having an you know an okay to better than okay season. Although Zach Lowe reported that the Grizz want a first round pick for Jay Crowder, which I think like you know good luck with that. W- which way would you go if you're the Grizz? Would you? Uh, hold on to those pieces, maybe try to convince Andre Aguadalla to get back into the fold or would you unload these guys?
1: I have the answer.
0: Please tell me. I have the
1: perfect answer. I love it. Do you think they're listening? This is the Grizzlies podcast. This is the
0: Grizzlies podcast. Everybody listens to this for Grizzlies content.
1: Talk Andre Aguadalla into playing. This is exactly what they could use. And also everything's working. This is the thing that I think we underrate so much about rebuilding teams and it's something that I wish the Wolves would have done. There's a lot of teams well, I mean, it would have been hard for the Wolves. But give these young guys experience winning. I t- I'm telling you that is the most important thing that we overlook with rebuilding teams. Give them this experience winning. Get, if they can get into the playoffs, they have one playoffs under their belt. Look, the front office has surprisingly shown that they are capable of building a team. I'm I'm serious. Just do it right now keep this team.
0: This is the Grizzly podcast. We know that the Grizzlies are listening. Haley's already figured that out for them. Uh, Dan, you're, you're our resident New York expert. We already talked about your, <laughs> your Knicks. Let's talk about the other team in New York as well, the Nets. Uh, ESPN is projecting them to win 41 games and be right on that playoff bubble. As we mentioned a little bit earlier, Kyrie Irving is out with a medial ligament sprain. Since Karis LeVert came back, he has not been good. Um, Bobby Marks on ESPN had floated maybe Aaron Gordon. They do have a lot of ammo the Nets. uh, They have four first-rounders that they could send out. They've got Dinwiddie, who's got a player option uh, next year. Joe Harris is on an expiring. They're one of nine teams with an open roster spot. Which way would you go if you're the Nets? Because they are still waiting for KD to come back, Uh, but you know, you've got all these things that you could dangle. So you could potentially bring somebody back in if you're trying to add your big three piece now.
4: See, I think that that's uh, the question is, is there anybody out there that's like a big three piece that makes sense to bring in? Like are you going to package, you know, Levert in a pick or whatever for Kevin Lovers? It doesn't sound like, the, or or would that even raise your ceiling? You know, like wh- who is the really good guy under contract for multiple years that makes sense? Because you can't do anything that is going to, like, that is going to complicate The process when Kevin Durant comes back, whoever comes in has to work within the framework of Kevin Durant plus Kyrie Irving, plus, I guess, DeAndre Jordan, plus, uh, you know, whatever else they have that that they've sort of built this, this structure around. So if Levert is considered a foundational piece of that and he's something that could maybe get you something else on the market, do you move him? Dinwiddie has been part of that. Sort of foundational group, you know, the group that when Kyrie says we're going to have to add multiple pieces, Dinwiddie was one of the pieces uh, that was named there. You know, it's hard to see where they line up because it's still a they're in a holding pattern. Everything has to wait until they see what they have next year. And it's, the the uh, the marginal improvement of like an eight seed now versus a seven seed now versus even a six seed now doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me as far as if it limits what they can do in, in terms of their flexibility this summer and into next season.
0: Yeah, I'm really interested to see what they... Cause they could go in so many different directions with that team. Uh, fascinated to see what'll happen there. I'm not like totally sold. Everybody keeps throwing Aaron Gordon out there. I, I'm sure it would be a better fit for him. Uh, I think that uh, the Orlando experiment has run its course and moving him on to somewhere else would be beneficial for the, for him, but I, I'm not entirely sure that that moves the needle all that much for the Nets. Uh, another Eastern Conference team, I, I don't even really want to do this, but we're going to do it anyway. The Sixers, I have no idea what to make of this team. They've been up and down all season as we record this. They're in sixth place in the Eastern Conference. I think that it would be fair to say that this is not the way that they wanted this year to go. Uh, they are what three games out of a, a home court spot, as Haley mentioned a little bit earlier. That whole second tier group after the Bucks in the Eastern Conference has been jostling all season long. Sixers are nine and seventeen on the road. Uh, they're, they've got they're at Miami and at the Bucks this week. A lot of people keep waiting for them to make a big move. We've got a fake trade deadline piece coming out this week as a group post. And I drew the Sixers and, uh, Again, a lot of people are waiting for something to happen. I'm here to tell you that them making a major move is highly unlikely for a number of reasons. One, they've got a ton of money invested in their, their top four guys. They paid uh, Tobias Harris and Al Horford a ton of money. I think they invested $290 million this offseason in those two guys. Obviously, Embiid already got paid. Ben Simmons' contract kicks in uh, this summer, which basically just leaves you the Josh Richardson tier and down. Josh Richardson's on a great deal. He's making a little over $10 million. I don't think he's going anywhere. So now you go down below that, and you're looking at, like, a Mike Scott and, uh, you know, a Zaire Smith, you know, and maybe you throw in a couple of second rounders. I don't think that really moves, uh, or gets them too much in return. And there had been reports that the Sixers were say interested in Danilo Gallinari. Well, for that to happen, I was told that that's way off that, that, that they're not, they're not looking at Danilo Gallinari because to get Gallo, they'd have to move out like a Tobias Harris. And they're not going to do that. They just signed Tobias Harris. So I think that they're pretty much locked in. And if they they do anything here, it would be a smaller move. Or maybe they could shake, say, like a Robert Covington free from Minnesota and bring him back into the fold. But for the Sixers, I'll ask the two of you because I'm a little too close to this. If they don't make a quote unquote Robert Covington level move, what do you think about this team going to the playoffs?
1: Robert Covington is the perfect level, which is hilarious. I don't know if they can
0: get him. because But be- I, don't,
1: I don't think they can because Minnesota sounds so insistent. Because, I mean, he's, he tries the hardest night in, night out for them still.
0: I, I, think, that, I think that they will end up move, Minnesota will end up moving Robert Covington. My point was that I don't know that Mike Scott, Zaire Smith, and like a second rounder, because they've got a couple of second rounders that are in the high 30s, like one second rounder or maybe even two is enough. I no, think that's that they can do better.
1: That's what I was saying, is yeah. that I think Minnesota wants to move him. But they realize that this is the piece. This is like their only piece that they're, that they're comfortable moving, but also will bring in a huge return. I mean, I'm mean, i with you. I just don't think that the Sixers have enough. Minnesota really, really, really needs to get something out of, of The story of the
0: Sixers season, Dan, um, it, they keep saying that they're built for the playoffs. I guess they have to find out and wait for the playoffs, but they've been bad on the road. So if they don't get a home court advantage, this thing could look really ugly.
4: Yeah, what what you see? It's so weird that a lot of the same problems, the like the 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 things that are that are fundamental about the 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 team have changed so many of them. But there's also so many other things that are the same. Like we just saw Trey Young and the Hawks dice them up and pick and roll, and that's something that was a problem all season last year for for the Sixers. And they still don't. I mean, Ben Simmons is great, maybe an all defensive player, but they still have trouble dealing with pick and roll coverage uh, and high scoring pick and roll guards. Um, they still have trouble running pick and roll, and they don't have a high Uh, volume pick and roll, high efficiency pick and roll guard. Um, They don't have guys that can, a backcourt player who can shoot well enough and handle well enough to kind of link together uh, Simmons and Embiid and Horford. And it makes it, everything feels claustrophobic no matter how much change is. So, um, I think Covington. The idea of, of getting Covington back, even though he is not a ball handling creator, like as a vibes guy, that yeah. kind of makes sense to me. Like, like bring him back for vibes. Just try to make everything a little chiller there. Again, we go back to February. Just try to chill out, everybody. It but was like a, it was a lot of
0: fun when he was there. I would love it if they brought him back. Uh, let's wrap this up with the LA teams because I, I think like some of the main pieces that we were talking about, like like a Kevin Love. I, I spent all weekend trying to figure out what would happen with Kevin Love. That contract is a really rough one. It's going to be awfully difficult for people to match up without. And like, what do you have to sacrifice for it? Woj also reported that it seems unlikely that he's on the move. So let's wrap up with the two LA teams. The Clippers won't be able to trade a first rounder after this deadline until after the 2021 draft because of the way those components move. So they're sort of, um, they have an inclination here to go ahead and like add a piece. The Lakers obviously also have some difficulties in maybe moving some pieces around the board because the Pelicans own their draft uh, basically until global warming ends the earth. So <laughs> between those two teams, which team, let's just do it this way for both of you. Quick answer. Uh, which team do you want to see make a move more? Like, And what would you like to see them add?
1: The Lakers, but it's not going to happen.
0: Yeah, it's tough for them.
1: It's not going to happen. But yeah, the Clippers the- just don't give up too much, please, for the love of God. Get like a Thad Young. <laughs>
0: Thad Young would be interesting. Uh, Dan Devine, what do you think for the two LA teams?
4: I think we can all agree that the move that the Los Angeles Clippers have to make is to attach a first-round pick... And uh, to, to Mo Harkless's contract to send to the New York Knicks for Marcus Morris. I think we can all agree that it's the most it's the it's the most logical move on the board, and it's one that the Clippers have to make if they want to compete in the postseason. The Clippers to save the Knicks from themselves. Maybe that'll happen.
0: Uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Make sure you listen to the Ringer NBA Show all week as the trade deadline approaches. That was the main event, and now it's time for our favorite segment. Good call, bad call. What a bold call here! All right, this is an all all-star edition of Good Call, Bad Call. There's a change to the all-star format. Uh, the way that they're going to do the actual game this year, for the first three quarters, they'll start at 0-0 and it'll be 12-minute quarters. And there'll be a charity component for each one. For the fourth quarter, there'll be no game clock. A final target score will be set, and it, it will be determined by taking the leading team's total cumulative score. This is incredibly confusing. Through the first three quarters and adding 24 in an untimed fourth quarter. So the first team to reach the final target score wins so initially i read this like uh, like i was it scrambled my brain i didn't understand it but the way that it will work is if when we get to the fourth quarter the score is 194 then the leading team because 24 points for kobe bryant his jersey number the leading team would need to score 24 points and then the trailing team would have to score 30 points so it's whoever reaches that first so it's a nice uh, kobe tribute though very confusing so good call or bad call on the tribute but also scrambling my brain in the process, Haley.
1: Uh, I love weird, and the All Star Game already isn't good anymore. Yeah. And <laughs> and guys, there's no harm in this. And if you make it about Kobe, guys are going to try. So good call.
4: Good call, Dan Devine. That's a good call. I mean the. the uh- argument that I've seen outside of it's like too confusing is like the, the fourth quarter might be short. It's like, well, yeah, it's the fucking All-Star game. Who gives a shit if you're out of there in five minutes? Like, it's all right, bye-bye, everybody. Give someone a Kia and then host a choice to trophy. <laughs> and you leave and it's fine. Like, that's okay. Good, uh, good call, everybody. Change things or don't change things. It's the All-Star game. Nothing matters. Nobody cares. Uh, I was told there'd be no
0: math, Steve. What say you? I,
2: I, it'd be <laughs> less confusing if the Kia just had a 24 on it rather than the actual like shot clock. I mean, I, I'd say bad call actually because this is just going to be more confusing. Can't
0: we just play to 24? I'll go good call just because it's a Kobe tribute. That's fine. But like I said, it baked my, my noodle and it hasn't recovered since. Uh, another all-star game thing. Aaron Gordon is in the dunk contest. Zach Levine said that uh, he was bummed out that he didn't make it to the actual game, but he's still thinking about joining the dunk contest. Haley, good call or bad call on Zach getting in now? Yes. Do it.
1: Please. He's not 34. <laughs> he's not Dwight Howard. He's athletic. He's still got it. Please, for the love of God.
4: She's on board with a Dan Devine. Uh, yeah, good call. Zach Levine is one of the coolest dunkers I've ever seen in my life. So yeah, sure. Him, He's great. Uh, Aaron Gordon's great. Dwight Howard, as we've mentioned, is excellent and, we, and is a great inspired choice. Um, Pat Connaughton also in the mix as of this morning, as far as I understand. So like we're getting the athletic guys involved, like more cool dunkers. Great. Good call. Heat check Chicago Bureau Chief Steve Allman. Absolutely good call. This is your guy.
2: Yes, my man is going to get back into the saddle for the dunk contest, and I love this.
0: Yeah, good call. Sweep it up. He's super fun. Uh, It would be fun if those two guys got in there, but everybody knows it's Dwight Howard's contest to lose. Uh, Last one for you. Uh, Snubs. Snubs. Zach Levine was bummed that he didn't make it. He said it sucked, but he handled it like a pro. Meanwhile, others did not. Bradley Beal called it Disrespectful his agent issued a lengthy statement and his fiance got in there and said for everyone saying it's about teams are are winning that's what the fucking playoffs are for exclamation point all caps all star game is about individual players Wow, his fiance came in hot. She was not alone here. Uh, Bradley Beal, obviously, and uh, all his friends and family pissed off about the actual All-Star game. There were two other people who were pissed off about the Rising Stars game. Matisse Theibel didn't make the Rising Stars game. His agent issued a statement in which he attacked assistant coaches and he spelled the ass part in all caps. And then Jackson Hayes. I mean, Jackson Hayes, my guy, really, really killed it. He also missed the Rising Stars game. And then afterwards, he said, the NBA is a bunch of bullshit. The NBA can suck my dick for all I care. Wow. Uh, go on, go on uh, desktop called it a political (laughs) league and said he hopes they see it and find him. uh, My guy, good chance of that happening. So he had second thoughts about that, and he later apologized for all of this. Now, I just want to point out before I ask you guys my question that Hayes and Matisse Theibel, after saying, yo, I can't believe you disrespected me like this, we're so good. Uh, Jackson Hayes had four points and three rebounds in 15 minutes against the Grizz, and Matisse (laughs) Theibel had three points and two rebounds in 17 minutes against the Hawks. Uh, This is Heat Check, Haley O'Shaughnessy, good call or bad call on getting heated on All-Star stuff?
1: The best possible call. This is the best. Please get mad <laughs> and get spicy because this is the only way that the All-Star game is going to matter is if people really care about whether or not they're getting in. Also, I'm glad that the latter two that you talked about defended themselves, but I love when other people are defending you. If it, if I ever have an agent and he doesn't issue releases for me, or if I like my future husband doesn't know what I'm pushing at the gym, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> she knew his stats. Yeah, that is incredible. She knew like points.
0: That's what the fucking playoffs are for, as she said. Uh, that's a good call from Haley O'Shaughnessy, Dan Devine.
4: In, in bro, big picture, this is a bad call because you got you can't just be angry all the time. It, it, it's there's so many things to be angry about in the world. We can't be angry all the time. In the specific instance, though. Haley's exactly right. It's a good call for all the people in Bradley Beal's life. It's a good call for me realizing I need a fucking agent. I need somebody who's going to have my back on this. It's a good call for me wondering, actually, where is my wife at when when Toronto, when uh, <laughs> Raptors Twitter is coming from my head? Where is my wife helping me out here and saying that, you know, issuing statements on my behalf? It's a good call for support structures in your life and people that are going to have your back. It's still a bad call for Jackson Hayes. Sir? You should not say you should not say on camera ever that someone should suck your day. It's a bad idea. Don't <laughs> yeah, do he it. did it
1: on camera. <laughs> he so he filmed can. himself. I He's hope they like see it.
4: My him. guy, they are going to see it because you put it on fucking camera. Of course they're going to see
0: it. That was incredible. It was so good. Uh, also, Sarah call the arms here. Come, come and support your guy. Uh, she's not
4: listening. gods. don't worry about it. She's a
0: big fan of heat check. Everybody knows this. Uh,
2: <laughs> Steve Allman. What do you think? Good call for true love. I only, w- I would be so lucky to have the wife that, that runs my stats and yells on social media about me, not getting something. I would absolutely call this a good call.
0: Jackson, Hayes being in the NBA for a minute and a half and pulling the Jesus and Miro, the NBA can suck my dick. Such a good call. Uh, this kid, <laughs> I, 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 I hope this kid keeps doing it for the rest of his career. We've got a long way to go with him. Uh, that was super fun. Steve Allman, Dan Devine, Haley O'Shaughnessy, thank you as always. Thanks to all of you for listening to Heat Check. We really do appreciate it. Please rate and review us. Read all of our content on the Ringer.com. Listen to The Ringer NBA show on The Ringer Podcast Network, and be sure to check out our YouTube channel. Is the Trade Deadline approaches. We're going to have all kinds of trade deadline content for you. Heat check. will be back on Monday, gang.